Today is Thursday, May 13th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 408 featuring the Boston Globe's Gary Washburn is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today and use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Well, wish I could tell you it was going to be a more uplifting Celtics beat today, but, uh, that's, well, that's just not the case. If, if you've had fun watching the seas this season, then you're the one. That's, that's it. No, none of us have. I'm Adam Kaufman. Welcome in. You know, Evan Valenti and of course, Gary Washburn, good friend of this program, longtime Boston Globe scribe columnist and, uh, covers not just the seas, but the entire league and of course the Celts most closely. Gary, uh, how are you independent of watching this team play this year? Oh, everything's good. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, we're slowly getting out of the pandemic and, and we're starting to open up a little bit. So yeah, I mean, everything personally is, is, is great. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got for that. But, uh, yeah, and then it's all downhill it, from here, right? Yeah. But for the, yeah, that's, that's the good part. But for the Celtics, not so good. No, losses in five out of six, two games left in the regular season. We now know, obviously, this team is locked into the play-in tournament, which means maybe it will go to the playoffs, maybe it won't. We'll find out. The seventh seed is most likely, though that is not, even as we chat right now, definitive. You still got the Hornets, the Pacers in the mix. Washington and Chicago are battling for the final play-in spot, but your uh, top six and uh, at least the order that it sits right now, it could change seating seating wise. But the uh, Sixers, Nets, Bucks—that is the top three clearly in the East, and around that, the Hawks, the Heat, and the Knicks. Celtics, as we know, I mean, the season's effectively over, guys. They're not going anywhere. They're not doing anything. Even if they do escape the play-in round, and inevitably they will—that's how this season has gone. They just, you know, do do the unthinkable, do the unpredictable. So they'll get out of the play-in tournament. They'll go to the postseason and uh, maybe shock people just for giggles and win a round. But they're not doing any. Anything noteworthy as we know because Jalen Brown is uh he's done he has had his wrist surgery uh ends a, a remarkable year for him both on and off the floor and you know when you consider obviously everything his role and in, in social initiatives and everything that has happened over the course of the year plus but uh specifically basketball it was uh, a dynamic it was a great year of growth for him but this team, I guess in some ways, Gary, I don't know if you felt this way. Maybe you're a little less emotionally invested as someone who covers the team than a, a regular fan would be, obviously. But, you know, there's an element of once that injury news came out, once I saw it, I just kind of went, you know what? Good. And not good, obviously, that Jalen is is hurt and has to go through this and deal with all the recovery. Like, that whole part sucks. But just simply the fact of, now I'm not going to lull myself into believing that this team can just magically flip that switch, get healthy, and and go on some kind of run in the playoffs. We now know that there's no mirage coming. This team is what it has been all season long, and whatever's going to happen this offseason is going to happen, but nothing is going to be reactionary to this team somehow magically getting to the conference finals. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, it's. I just think it's very typical of what's been a very disheartening season that it was, you know, that he has this kind of wrist injury that grows to be so painful and then it ends up being something that's pretty significant, you know, where it's going to take him out of the summer, you know, like no USA basketball for Jalen. I know you're interested in that. That's out. Um, 
and it's going to, you know, hopefully he'll be back for training camp next year. I think that's why he got the surgery so quickly. Um, but it's just a bit disappointing end to, to what has been just a very bizarre, strange, unfortunate season for the franchise and an eye-opening season, a season that I think tells the organization, the ownership, that things have to change, that they have to start changing some philosophies, going a different direction, and start making some different decisions because what they're doing obviously isn't working. So I guess what I wonder in response to that is what's going to change because there are all sorts of ideas that are out there, right? I mean, you've got Jeff Goodman, part of the CLNS network, who is, uh, you know, about as big a Brad Stevens guy as you will find in terms of, you know, he's, he's like Evan and I, the, you know, Brad can do no wrong kind of thing. We love Brad, but, you know, co-presidents of the fan club, even Jeff is saying, you know what? I mean, I'm not so sure that, that it wouldn't be the right move for, for them to part ways, just, you know, for both sides, for the Celtics, for Brad. And I, I don't think that's going to happen, especially with a half dozen years left on his contract after that extension last August, but, and not to mention turning down Indiana, if, you know, presuming that was actually offered to him, at least, you know, he could have had it if he wanted it. We go off of what we believe. I don't think it's going to happen, but you have Jeff saying, you know, maybe Brad should go. You have Kendrick Perkins, among others, saying Marcus Smart needs to be traded. Listening to Danny on the radio doing his weekly hit on the Sports Hub this morning, you know, he was asked about all this stuff, and Danny said, you know, like, laughed at the idea that Brad's a problem. Brad is not going anywhere. Marcus Smart, and not just Marcus, like, and, and he basically said, continued to say he's our heart and soul, but I don't think any of our best players are the problem. None of them need to go anywhere, but yes, something needs to be done this off season. So what is it? What is it, Gary? Like you're, you're running out of options in terms of some sort of magical solution here. Well, I think one, let's put it all in perspective. There are 500 teams. um, And they have had a really bad season and they're still 500 and going to be the seventh seed. So they're not the Timberwolves. Okay. Uh, they're not uh, the Pelicans or the Kings. They're not, we need to blow this up. So they do have a core and a base. It's just the entire surrounding areas need to be changed. There needs to be changes on the coaching staff. There needs to be changes in management. Um, and there needs to be changes on the roster. And I don't, I'm not part of the fire Brad contingent because I think he is bringing knives to a gunfight. If you realize this, okay, the class of 2019, the draft class, the Celtics have five guys from that class on their roster. Of the 17, 30% of their roster is the class of 2019, and Brad has used for one of those guys, Grant Williams. Carson Edwards, nope. Romeo Langford hasn't proven himself. Tremont Waters, huh? Taco Fall. Five guys, 30% of your roster is made up from the class of 2019. Okay? And you can only use one of those guys. You only trust one of those guys. That's Danny's fault. Okay? That's Danny's fault. You're padding your roster with guys who cannot help you. Look at the Miami Heat. The Heat brought Trevor's up off the street. Why? Because he knows how to play. He knows all the schemes. He's, there's nothing he hasn't seen in the league. 
You can't, you can bring him into a system, he'll learn it. He knows his role. He knows how to defend. He can shoot the three. He's 35, so what? Dwayne Dedman signed him off the street. You either have him or Luke Cornett. <laughs> like, these are moves that the Celtics could have easily made and for whatever reason have this, like, we're the Celtics, they're not worthy of playing for us kind of attitude, that Patriots kind of way. It's the, you know, the Patriots have six Super Bowls. And as you can see, they changed how they looked at things after going eight and eight or whatever they did this season, seven and nine. So mm-hmm. the Celtics have to start changing their philosophy. They have to pad their roster with veterans. They have to get rid of guys that they cannot use. Okay, it's okay to have a prospect too. Look at okay, the the Brooklyn Nets today signed Mike James for the rest of the season. Mike James could could have literally started last night in Cleveland for the Celtics and, and done well. Why not? Like the Celt, the, you know, where are, where are those guys? Other teams are constantly making moves. They don't hold on to these guys for five years. They don't. They're not married to Carson Edwards. I like Carson. I don't know. Last night in Cleveland, they put him in the game. He missed all three shots. Brad took him out. Like when does it? When does the clock begin to be productive? Meanwhile, like they're relying on Peyton Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard already gets it. That was a good draft. They're coming. That's the positive. We're going to be positive this year. The 2020 draft was a good one for the Celtics. Neesmith's a good player, and so is Pritchard. Could have held okay. on to Desmond Bain, too. Yes, they gave away a pick because they want to pay a guy because they, they're married to keeping all these other guys. So they didn't want to pay another first-round pick, so they gave Desmond Bain to Memphis. They couldn't use Desmond Bain. He's shooting 45% from three. They couldn't. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about, though. What are you doing? Giving away first round picks. As coveted as they are, you just hand it to Memphis for a pair of seconds that guys are not going to make the team or who will never be in camp because they'll be overseas. Like, it's just a change in philosophy. Danny has to add some people to his staff. No more Austin and Zarin. Like, you know what? You got to break up the band. It, It was a good run. You can't rely. It can't be the family affair anymore. Stop that. Get some guys in your organization who know the league, better talent evaluators, and guys who can assess and draft better. And then stop having this Celtics way thing where you turn your nose up at guys like Ariza and guys who could really help you. That's the difference between the Celtics and the Bucks and the Nets and the Heat. And even like the Lakers, those teams make moves. The Lakers brought in Ben McLemore. You know, they, they, they just, they bring in guys. They, they got Andre Drummond, you know, whatever. Last year, they got Markeith Morris, a guy the Celtics could have easily traded for mm. and who could have definitely helped them. Meanwhile, the Celtics have Shimmy Ojale, Carson Edwards, Romeo Langford. Is that scaring anybody? <laughs> like, no, it's not. And I hate to say, like, these are good young potential players, but how long you can't, you're giving them roles that they're not ready for. Or they're just not up to. As I said, 30% of your roster is filled with guys from the class of 19, 2019. One of them plays. A little. Yes. Yeah, and, and Grant's not even like – and he gives you some nights great minutes, some nights really bad minutes. And like yeah, that's, it's, not, yeah. it's not like you have five and one of them is Tatum or Brown. Right. Yeah, you, you, you have – Grant is a serviceable reserve, okay? 
That's what Grant is going to be. I don't know what happened. I thought he was making strides offensively. He took a step back this year where he just makes a lot of mistakes and, and he's trying, you know, he's a lot of fouling too much, whatever, but, you know, forever, they don't trust Romeo yet. Carson, just if he's not making shots, which he doesn't, and then uh, Tremont's okay, uh, but did you really trust? Why? Why is he starting last night and not Peyton Pritchard in a game that you really need to win? You really need to win that game last night. And real like, quick, just, just real, real for quick. your just for your morale, you oh, should sure. you needed the you needed victory, but yet he starts Tremont because he likes being Peyton off the bench, and then Peyton plays Peyton more minutes. Like I know starting to him is not a big deal, but that gets you going. Like. You get up, you get off to a fourteen to eight lead or something. Mm-hmm. What happens? They fell behind twenty two to eleven, and they're chasing the whole way. Before you go, Ev, I know you've got a lot on your mind as well, and there's tons more to get to for the both of us here, for all of us. But uh, Gary, just to pick up on what you were just talking about with you know changes to the front office, because I think we can all agree, and, and there are certainly the you know the, as much as there's the fire Brad, there's the fire Danny crew that's out there and has been out there for a while because this team has not won a championship since oh eight, hasn't you know been in the final since ten, has rebuilt multiple times on the fly a little bit, and and obviously had some bad luck in addition to just some things not working out along the way. Are there as someone who does cover the league? on the whole, not just the Celtics. Are there any names that you have in mind as far as breaking up that band and coming in and, and joining Austin and, and Mike Zarin and, and just, you know, being a voice in Danny's ear? Well, I just think it would be great to get like a former player. And there's a guy like out there, like, you know, uh, he's more of a coach, like a James Posey. I mean, and I'm not being funny because he's gotten, he's had some issues the last couple of months, but Paul Paul Pierce now is unemployed. I mean, he's got other stuff going on, but he wanted to get into management. Now, I think the issue with him, and there's a few now, uh, but one, the good thing is, which will take away some of the attention, he's going to be named to the Hall of Fame Sunday. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all of the Instagram stuff and the and the naked women and all that scantily clad women. Hopefully, I'll take a back seat, and he's going to be named to the Hall. Secondly. It'd be a great addition to your front office. I don't think Paul wants to live in Boston full time. So could you work something out where he could live in LA or come here every now and then or work remotely? You need to add another voice to your front office. Like this is not working. You know, the, the, the talent assessment is not working. Okay. You, you, you drafted Grant over Brandon Clark. You drafted, there's a lot of guys, you drafted Grant over, I want to say, Keldon Johnson. Um, you know, there are just too many draft mistakes. They traded Matisse Stiebel. You don't mm-hmm. think they could have used him to, to trade down to get Carson Edwards. That's not looking so good. Like, there's some type of, like, there's got to be another voice in this room to assess talent. Right. Because... You're not, you're, you're, if you're trying to build, if you're going to take all these draft picks, you got to score with them. You know, if not, trade them and get a, a, a veteran. But no, they used it on Romeo. They used it on Grant. They used it on Carson. I mean, that's a first round pick, but like they've used these first round picks and they're just stick, keeping them on the roster. And unfortunately, these guys are so limited. You can't. I mean, I, I think Shimmy's an NBA player, 
but is he, can he help you consistently? I think they've, they've, they, they say no. Romeo, he's been injured so much. You don't know what to expect from him. He still looks, I mean, he should have stayed his ass at Indiana. He just wasn't physically ready for the league. Um, and, and Grant is, was a really skilled player at, at Tennessee and he's turned into kind of a bruiser, you know, just, to, just like a henchman. I don't know. Like, is he capable? So the thing is, is that they just have to add some new voices. Could, could it be Paul? Could it be someone? I mean, perks into the TV thing now, but I think there are plenty of guys that would love to work. The, the Heat got Karan Butler added to his, his coaching staff. The Clippers got Chauncey Billups. Like, that's where this direction is going. You need some dudes that Jason and Jalen can look at and be like, that dude's been there before. And then you need some good decision makers, some young decision makers in the front office that don't have that we only do it this way kind of mentality so you can draft better. Yeah, it's it's Belichick is one of the, the best things about Belichick. You mentioned the Patriots, like they go seven to nine and then they spend 300 whatever million in free agency. And you get an article from Albert Breer saying that the, the, the Patriots draft plan this year is different than ever. like the one thing about New England is they're, they're not afraid to admit their mistakes and move on. Uh, and that's something that I agree with you when it comes to this Celtics team. Danny, just for some reason, and I'm sure there are cap implications because of it too. Like I'm in that, in the, some of the cap logistics, I don't totally understand. I'll be fully honest about that. It's a little bit over my head. Um, but it, it's, you're absolutely right. And like, this is my problem with the discourse surrounding this team this year is everybody wants to blame one singular figure for this thing, right? They want exactly. to blame Brad for the – like, my favorite is – I can't decide which my favorite is, and maybe you can help me out here. There are the people who are like, we got to fire Brad Stevens. And I'm like, he's not out there shooting shots. I mean, I, there was a great moment in the game last night. I don't know if you heard this, Gary, where, um, you know, uh, it, it was dead silent in, in Cleveland, and you heard Brad in the microphone and, like, uh, you know, pick it up. It was like, you know, you know, push the ball or something like that, or like, we need to move or something like that. Like, clearly Brad is trying – to get them to do things, they're just not doing it. So it's like not – Brad's not out there jumping the basketball. He's trying to do what he can. The guy's in the best position. The other, My other favorite is, like, it's Jason Tatum's fault. I'm like, why is this Jason Tatum's fault? Like, I had, a guy, I had an argument today with a guy about how Jason Tatum is not averaging enough assists. And I'm like, first off, you guys have to make a shot for Jason Tatum to get an assist. And if you look at who he's passing to, look yeah. at last night. Tremont Waters started a game last night. They were without Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Fournier, thankfully, was available. No Jalen Brown. No Robert Williams. Who is he passing to? Second of all, he's only 23 years old. And he's, for the first time, like, really in his life, trying to become, instead of just a a one-on-one scorer, for the first time in his life, he's trying to become an A1-type, like, LeBron point forward distributor. That takes time. So, like, the fact that he doesn't average six assists a game, like, relax. He's 22-23. That's going to take some time getting comfortable handling double teams and all that stuff. I think he's been fine. So as you look at everything, I get back to the same thing. It's a Danny Ainge roster construction problem that they have primarily. Now, there are other things. You know, Could Brad teach these guys or have different schemes? Sure. Could certain guys make certain plays? Sure. 
But when at the end of the day, for me, they don't have a roster that is like the rest of the juggernauts in the East or the teams that are in real contention. And it's, it's refreshing to me to hear someone actually say that along with me. Cause I feel like a lot of times people are dancing around it. I just think it's a real bad Danny problem. And I'm with you. They look around the league, look at Memphis and the way they've drafted. They've gotten, they've hit on so many draft picks at this point. You can't, you can't tell me Gary, you can't call up Memphis and say, yeah, give me one of the young guys in your front office that needs a, a promotion. I'll give them one. We need a new voice in here. Look at the teams that draft yeah. well. Look at yeah. a team like Phoenix who went, and maybe it's just like they went and got Chris Paul, and that's and that's what they did. But like Mikael Bridges has been a great player. Cam Johnson, who we all laughed at, by the way. Yeah. Why are you taking Cam Johnson here? Well, guess what? He's shooting forty percent from three. What do we know? There's got to be a way. And I, I, I don't know exactly who it is. Maybe, and I'm not totally sure if, if it's the Paul P- – I mean, getting a guy who's been there, done that, Paul Pierce, I'm all for it. I don't really care. But I don't know if he's the figure you need in the front office to really, and you know, discover yeah, no, and analyze talent. There. I get it. Like, totally. Like, one of these guys who knows the college game, one of these – you know, uh, Mike Schmidt from ESP, like one of these guys who knows mm-hmm. the college game and knows talent. Because it's obvious that the Celtics are either, one, getting bad advice, or two, their scouting is failing them. Because, like you said, like, they they have guys who just never developed. And it's, we're going back to James Young. We're going back to, to uh, you know, Ante Zizek, the, the Ante Zizek-Gershon draft. Um but they took jail in that same draft, so they ended up kind of outshining them. But they had three first-round picks in that draft. Um, the Terry Rozier was a solid, uh, was a good pick, but then R.J. Hunter wasn't. Like, you're missing way too often. And now they were supposed to trade some of these picks because they had this treasure chest of, of assets, and they ended up taking them all. And none of them have turned out to be impactful, like a starter, like – we don't know what to think of Romeo. Robert Williams, we don't know. And, and, and the Celtics, can't, you can't really trust him at this point. Like, it is one nagging kind of strange injury after another. And I feel bad for the guy. I don't think he wants to be hurt. He just isn't uh, uh, durable. And so they just have to change how they look. at. They have to add some old head to the coaching staff. I, I, we're not allowed to practice. I can't see the impact that Evan Turner's having, but I don't think it's much. Like, is Evan Turner doing anything in terms of helping out these young guys? Does Tatum and Brown look at Evan Turner? Evan Turner is not old enough to be an old head. He's 33. He's also never been there, like, to a finals or anything <laughs> like that. Activate him yeah, at this exactly. point, give him a 10-day contract. You know, like, yeah, he could still play if he wanted to. He could have still tried to literally get a deal. And it's like, is he having, okay, well, let's, and I think, I think honestly, and people, I hope people don't laugh at this, but like losing Carol Lawson, I think impacted the team. I think she had a very great impact on the team. And instead of replacing her, there's a lot of qualified woman coaches out there who would have accepted the job in a minute. Instead, they go to Evan Turner because Evan's a funny guy and he had a good stint, but it's like, is he impacting this roster and the players? And I said, like, I, you know, I think Jerome Allen's solid and Jamie, like, they're not bad guys on the staff, but like, you need a guy that can 
command these guys and tell them because it can't be Brad all the time. It's like Giannis Haslam is like only on the Heat's roster for that exactly. exact reason. It's, there's I no mean, other reason. He has not logged a minute. No, you, he's just the old hey, He's a coach now. And it's like if you're going to burn a roster spot, have it for a real purpose. Don't burn it on, you know, guys who aren't going to help you. And so, like, that's Danny. Like, is this taco thing going to go anywhere? Or do you cut top? Like, even the two-way guys. Like, you ever seen other, other teams' two-way players? Like, Brooklyn had this dude, Alizé Johnson. Like, they have ballers. Some of these, two, these two-way guys, that's why teams make so many swaps with two-way guys. Because there's so many hungry guys out there looking for a chance. And yeah, the Celtics hang on to Taco and Tremont for like two years each. Why? If they're not going to help you. Mike James, as I said before, it just kills me. He's out there making plays. Often he was with CSK SK Moscow. Like he was the Celtics couldn't have brought him in to replace Jeff Teague. Or couldn't have brought like, like I just don't get what's going on there. And I think there's a high level of arrogance that this guy wouldn't fit our system. Right. Unless Brad is like, no, oh, I don't want to coach that guy. Now, I don't know. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just throwing out, I don't know about Mike James or anything like that. But there's, there, there's, certain, there's a certain kind of arrogance because they're missing out on too many guys. And it's, it, it's been the last few years. Inexcusable. Because, as I said, like last year, when this team's running a championship run, Markeith Morris was sitting in Detroit waiting to be traded. And it's, the Pistons couldn't trade him. They, they, they bought him out. And buyout guys are not coming to Boston if, they, if the Lakers and the Heat make an offer. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you – I mean, like they, like they went hard at Drummond. And then meanwhile, Drummond's taking like – Drummond's, you know, hanging out, working out in L.A. Where do you think he wants to play? He played in Cleveland and Detroit. You think he wants to come to Boston? He could, use some, he could use some sunshine, I'm sure. Yeah, like, I'm sure he's like, <laughs> listen, I'm already here. This team tried to win a chip, and they got LeBron. Why are you trying to go for Andre Drummond when you could have signed or brought on Kim Birch, uh, Gorgie Jing? Like, there were guys out there, or Dwayne Dedman was on the street. Like, there's something – that is just inherently wrong with like holding on to these guys too long and afraid to make roster moves. Like there, it's like we don't want to get rid of Carson. You know, we like Carson. We don't want to get rid of Shimmy. And I like Shimmy, and I like I, I I feel bad it hasn't worked out for Carson. I think they saw a little Isaiah Thomas in him. I think they mm-hmm. saw the little the little guy who could score. It's just that isn't working. I said last night he, they they give him a shot. He gets three good looks, misses all three. Boom, out the game. But we'll always have that preseason game in Cleveland. Exactly. That's it. That got everybody excited. And he has it. And I said, I feel bad for him because I don't think he's not working out hard. It's just maybe time for another environment. These aren't bad guys. And the Celtics don't want to – you don't want to say, oh, well, this guy went somewhere and flourished. Like, that's going to happen. That's the league, man. That might, guys, be, I'm glad that might be a factor, though. Like, though, see, we were right. We were just a little too early or whatever. You, that's the happens. Evan, that happens. That's the yeah. league, man. There's too many guys with, with third, third and fourth teams because, let's be honest, half these dudes come out too damn early. Well, look, Carl, I mean, it, 
Was Carson ready for the league? Now, he was a great, prolific college scorer. Grant Williams came out a year early, okay? Grant Williams left Tennessee as a junior. Grant said, hey, I've done enough for Tennessee. I'm ready for the next level, man. Like, and he was a first-round pick, so it ended up working out for him. Half these kids are too young to come to the league. They're not ready physically, mentally. Their, their games aren't ready. Shimmy could have played another year. He left as mm-hmm. a fourth-year junior. So you, it, it, sometimes it's going to click when these guys are 27. That's what that's because that's what it usually would have if they came out at 22 or whatever. But it, 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 they're they're here too early, and you got to move on from these guys. These teams, you got to move. Like you got, hey, we we like you. We're going to send you somewhere you can play, and you know. And you can you can you can get a fresh start. No hard done. Well, like, how much of that though do you think is like time though? Because you look at as an example, right? Boston might think they have we have more time because we have Jason and Jalen. They're twenty three and twenty four. Meanwhile, you have a, a Lakers team led by LeBron, who's look at some point body's going to fall apart. Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George. You have the Nets with the big three that they have in Durant, Kyrie. We don't know how long Kyrie's going to play. We don't know Durant's, you know, how long his body will hold up. And there's Harden, of course. Uh, and then you have, you know, Giannis and what's going on in, in, in Milwaukee. You don't have time to sit there because other teams are trying to win, right? Like Phoenix, like they, they can't, like Chris, this Chris Paul thing, we'll see how long it goes. Yeah. I love it. I love Chris Paul. This whole thing where he can go somewhere and turn him into contender immediately is incredible. They're going to be aggressive because they don't have a lot of Chris Paul. Is that a lot of time left? Do you think that's part of the, the reason why they have? I do think the that but here's the, here's the thing too, though. Yeah. Like, do you actually have time, Gary? Because remember, like the culture now isn't what it was 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Like, you know, we're Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. They're under contract. They're young. Cool. Great. They're not even in their prime years yet. That's fantastic. It's not like Danny Ainge can sit and rest on his laurels with that fact that, well, I've, I've locked them up because Look around the league. Look at how many guys before their end of their contracts, you know, become stars and say, "Enough of this. I want out." And they just yeah. demand trades. You can't matter where they are in their deals. There's no guarantee Tatum and Brown are going to be um, Celtics forever. What if What if Brown comes up for free agency and the Atlanta Hawks have money and he wants to play close to home? Now, I don't just throw it out there. I'm not saying it's the case. Like you've got to, you've got to make the situation where these guys do not want to leave, and you've got to surround them with teammates that they can win. And being in the Eastern Conference Finals three times the last four years sped up the clock. It just did, okay? Because mm-hmm. they were favorite to beat Miami last year and go to the finals. They were the third seed. Miami was the fifth seed, and they got spanked. But they were the favorite. And now you lose Gordon. And we can debate, and there's all the well, what impact did that have? And you know, what's go, you know, Gordon Gordon played well for Charlotte this year, but he's missed 25 games. Like, so you know, you chose uh Kimba over Terry Rozier. Uh, you know, there's there's some changes that have been made from over the last couple of years, but you thought that. Okay, you've got the base, and you've got Kimba coming back healthy, Marcus Smart, Jalen and Jason, and you and yeah, Tice and Williams. Like they thought, okay, we got enough. But it's Danny's fault for not getting the bench. Like 
your biggest signings. Okay, Tristan, you know, you can I think it's been a blah year for him. Um and Jeff Teague. That didn't work who, out. Who was in a minimum who started to play better before he got traded, but the first month or so he was terrible. And you know, and he's with Milwaukee now, so it's not like he's a, he he was just he's on the trash heap. I mean, the Bucks picked him up immediately, but you didn't pad your bench with talent, and there's inexpensive talent out there. Like I was talking the other day with somebody, like Bryn Forbes was a shooter, San Antonio. He like he's three million. He signed with the Bucks. He's a pure shooter. Like he could come off the bench and hit hit your threes. There were. Too many guys around the league that were inexpensive or in the Celtics price range that they either passed on or were never in on, and that hurt their bench because they thought Carson was going to develop. Like, I think that they and, – and maybe that's a player development thing too now. You got to look at the player development. Is there a reason why Carson and Shimmy and Romeo haven't developed? Is there a reason why Romeo's always hurt? Is it the conditioning? I remember – they fired Eddie Lassert a few years ago, mm-hmm. and he's a really good guy and a good trainer. They fired him because guys were getting too injured. Like Avery was always they they blame you know they fired him. Well, damn. Well, what's this training? Are these guys any better? It's not like they get any remarkably healthy. Like I'm sure Eddie Lassert is sitting around. Oh, I got fired for because of Avery, who's always been injured and was injured. Well, the other teams he went to, too, he just doesn't – he's got one of those non-healthy bodies, and they blame Eddie and the training staff. Let's get new guys in here. Like, to me, this is – I'm talking about the organization, player development, training staff. Like, assess everything. Guys are getting too damn hurt. Robert Williams has had – I mean, he had ankle, knee, turf toe, covid and then the hip edema. I mean, I, COVID I can't blame him for, obviously, but, like, there's something wrong where his body just doesn't – you've got to do something about that, whether it's sending him somewhere and getting his body completely checked out, seeing what his weaknesses are in his body. But if you're trying to bank on this guy to be your starting center, he can't miss games with turf toe. He can't – he's got to be available. Real quick, want to tell you about our sponsor. That is, of course, Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football, as we know, is over. In fact, it's closer to starting up again. NBA, NHL, MLB, all very much in full swing. Looking at NBA title odds, if you still feel good about those nets with James Harden back now, plus 200 to win a championship. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant along as well. Lakers, if they can get out of the play-in tournament, plus 450 to uh, repeat as champions the clippers plus 550 the jazz i'm not a believer there but we'll see plus 700 sixers plus 850 and uh i mean if you believe in miracles celtics at plus 10,000 uh i'd probably save your money betonline.ag you can start betting on some of the end of the season awards too mvp you got the sixth man of the year coach of the year rookie of the year most improved player defensive player of the year it's all available to you you can find lines on all of it betonline has you covered for all the news, the scores, the odds, best place for you to place your bets. It is free, folks, to sign up. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code. It is CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, that promo code is CLNS50. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So 
Gary, something we've we've talked about a lot during this show, and we've we've talked about it in past shows, uh, probably with you as well, but certainly with others. I don't know if it's something you've written about. I'd I'd be fascinated to uh, check out that article, though, if you decide to. And that is, I I just wonder, especially in light of everything that you were just highlighting, and you know the the devotion to development of of Carson Edwards, of Shemi Ojale, of Taco Fall, you know, some of these guys, I just wonder, and it's such a weird way to phrase this question, but do the Celtics, not not do they, I know they do, do they have a, a loyalty problem? Like, to me, if Doc Rivers didn't demand his way out way back when, when he was traded to the Clippers, he'd still be here. Like, if he wanted to be here, he'd still be here. He'd be NBA coach of the Celtics for, you know, for 20-plus years if, you know, if if Wick had his way and and clearly feels that way about Danny Ainge and one championship, multiple rebuilds, and, and they've been in the conversation, they've been close, but one championship and, you know, in the last 15 years, whatever it's been, Brad Stevens getting, you know, fresh off getting knocked out against Miami in, in a, a series that, like you said, they were spanked when they were favored to win. He gets a five-year extension in August and is under contract six more years when, you know, we all love trips to the conference finals. It's way better than the alternative of, of, of being less than, but there are a lot of people out there that believe he has not gotten enough out of his roster. They don't play hard enough for him, certainly this year, and maybe at points in the past and, and just the, the, catastrophe the the remarkable disappointment that was that you know 2018-19 season with Kyrie Irving when when he just outright quit on the team is there a loyalty problem for this organization where it is again weird to say but just too loyal too loyal to the cause too loyal to the same voices like you talked about and and how do you rectify that yeah I do think there's a loyalty issue I think there's like I, I think Boston has that problem. Like, you know, the same old guys, the gang's all here, the, the good old boys network, however you want to call it. Like, you've got to have and, – and let me mention, like, maybe give – what about Allison Feaster and giving her a shot in front office decisions too? Now, she's part of the organization and she's kind of a player – like, she knows the game. You know, what about her? Um, let me, I'll throw that out there. But, yeah, they do. Like they just they're 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 resistant to change. Um, it'd be nice to see more people of color in the organization. I think that's been a problem for years. Like Allison's the highest ranking African African American in the organization in the front office. Like you gotta just you gotta shake things up a little bit. And I don't know if this is hopefully for the for them and Celtic faithful. This is a wake up call enough to say okay, what we're doing isn't quite working because we've now been passed by Brooklyn. We were supposed to be lapping Brooklyn after that trade and their decision to go Garnett and Pierce and Terry and go for it and getting kind of falling on their face and then completely rebuilding Philadelphia rebuilt in, 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 in your face. And they've got their ups, had their ups and downs and they had to make a coaching change. But I think, yeah, there's a loyalty. There's just the same old guys. Zarin's been there forever. Austin Ainge, Danny. Like, it's time to bring in fresh blood in all levels. Uh, Brad has to stop being married to some of his butler guys. You know, and I'm not naming names, but there's just guys in that staff that's like, okay, are they really qualified? Or what's going on here? You know, the bat- his butler tree, you know, He's got to bring in some guys maybe he does not know. 
Um, and guys who are like, listen, this is what I think you guys should do. I've been looking at you guys closely from the outside, looking in this or a guy from another organization and, 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 you know, bring in a guy that says, this is what they, this is what everybody thinks of you. If you're not sure of it, here's what it is. <laughs> this is what they think of Marcus. This is like, it might be that time. I remember watching uh, the greatest, the Muhammad Ali movie when he's fighting George Foreman. They brought in, they brought into the camp Foreman's sparring partner, and they and the guy told him all about Foreman and what he did was doing and what how they perceived out like that's what you need to do. Bring in someone from the enemy camp or someone else and say, what do you guys? What do they think of us? What do the Bucks or the Nets think of us? And and hear the cold hard truth because it's not good. Teams do not fear the Celtics anymore. The Kings came in here and won. The Pelicans came in here and won. The Thunder. The Thunder lost 14 in a row, beat the Celtics, and now lost eight in a row. It's 22 or 23 losses. And as I wrote yesterday, they haven't beaten anybody with the Celtics since March 31st. That can't happen. There's so many that there's so many that can't happens that have happened this season that they have to assess things. If they don't, then that's on Wick. That's on ownership for allowing things to just kind of the merry-go-round. Well, and you asked players and Brad about a post game last night in Cleveland. The Cleveland being the latest example, that Cavaliers team is putrid, had lost 11 in a row before just, you know, kind of having its way with the Celtics last night in a game that was sure as hell a lot more important to Boston than it was to Cleveland. I just, I don't understand. Brad highlighted this too. And Evan could, uh, what, what is the number one thing that I have been just, irritated about beyond belief all throughout this season above all else not injuries not covid it's effort it's give a crap it's it's defense you know the the identity of past brad stevens teams hasn't been there this year and i don't know if that is as you've talked about and written about and you were the first one to do it if that's tuning brad out or if it's if it's a player issue if it's a roster construction issue if it is the connection of the coach if it's just all the above and and that's just the easiest way to put it i just don't understand the lack of pride from this team going out and 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 competing it's like they just it's like they look at their own injury list and just accept you know well and no Jalen, no, no Robert, no Kemba, no smart tonight's just not our night. And and we're going to go out and we're going to play like it. There's just, there's no heart in this no, team at all, no all year. Just gutless. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the, the, read the scouting report. Like Kevin Love is a three point shooter. Now you cannot leave him open. Like it's just some of the stuff that you see. Kobe White in Chicago, he had seven threes against the Celtics. Like, it comes to a point after the second or third one, you might need to make adjustments, okay, so he doesn't hit five, six, seven, and eight on you. The same thing, Kevin Love was hot. Like, it was one of those nights. He was feeling it. You can't let him beat you. That's the only guy. Like, Colin Sexton wasn't good last night, but he went to the free throw line 16 times because the Celtics tried to really guard him and fouled him because they don't have anybody with his quickness to keep up. Tremont is not quick enough to keep up with Colin Sexton. Okoro scored all of his points basically on hustle plays or beating Evan Fournier, who he was matched up with. You know, like, it's just the same old, same old. You saw it coming. Like, they need to punch in the mouth. Nope, they fall behind 22 to 11. And then they get up 
one possession lead. And it looked like, and it was one of those games that if they go up seven or eight, they probably pull away because Cleveland's going to pull back. But they let Cleveland hang around. And all of a sudden, Kevin Love hits three threes and then they're, then they're down eight. It's just like you saw it coming and there's nothing they can do. And then Grant takes a three and you know, it's like in Jason's trying too hard against five defenders to, to, it's just, it's just the same old, same old, but Cleveland's young guys are better than Boston's young guys. That's what it is. If you give love and Tatum a wash and Evan Fournier was just off last night. He was six for 20. He had a bunch of open looks. He missed them. That's kind of the Fournier I remember seeing in Orlando. Like, I saw plenty of that. Like, I like Fournier. He's a good shooter. But I definitely saw a lot of, like, man, he missed a lot of open shots, you know, when he was in Orlando. That was the Fournier I remember seeing. And then the other guys, Peyton, bless his heart, Neesmith didn't really have a good game. He got into foul trouble. Like, it's just the same old thing, like you said. Not coming out motivated. And who's supposed to motivate him? I don't know. Is it Tristan? You thought Tristan his comeback game, he was going to play like a man possessed. He played okay. He's okay. You know, um, it's just so much. Like I and and I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's like they're just tuning Brad out as I wrote three months ago, and everybody jumped before it. You know, that's not true. You're crazy. You're just you don't like Brad. I, I like Brad. I like Brad a lot. I I just think something isn't registering. You're, you're, you've lost 10 games, guys, or 11, 11, 11 to lottery teams. <laughs> if you go seven and four in that 11, you are literally talking what? Seven more wins. You're talking like the, the, the four seed, the third, you're, you're talking about four. You're talking about maybe three, but probably four, right? Mm-hmm. 11 games twice to the Cavaliers. Twice for the Pelicans, twice for the Kings, twice for the Pistons. I mean, once to Oklahoma City, there's, an, there's, there's another team I, I can't remember right now that literally, oh, t- twice to the Bulls. Mm. 11 losses to teams in the lottery. 11. And they beat the Clippers twice. They beat the Nuggets twice. That's the crazy part. They beat Phoenix. They held Phoenix to 86 points. I, I, you know, but it's more, it's been more down than up. And it, so something's got to change. That was a long answer. But yeah, like Adam, they have a loyalty issue. It's time to change some things up. If guys have been around too long, it might be time for them to move on or retire or say, listen, you know, we're going to suggest you move to another organization. We got to, we got to shake things up. They've, they've got to make changes. And I'm not talking about just a couple of coaches. I'm talking about up, bottom to the top, to the roster, to the front office, to management. They've got to change some philosophy. Uh, we brought it up earlier. I'll circle back to it. I was going to answer it or ask this question about you know, 40 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> but are we are we totally positive Boston's going to make it out of the playing tournament considering – and, like, look, Miami no. – no. Miami, yeah, right. That's just what I'm getting. At. I don't, I'm not. I'm not totally sold. There. Ma- no, Charlotte is going to be a tough out. They're going to get Miles Bridges back. It looks like Gordon is not going to play. 
Okay, but they got That's LaMelo. Too bad. That would be a fun storyline. It would be. They got LaMelo, Terry, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, and Devontae Graham. That's a good, young, hungry team. Dane's Borrego's done. He should get some Coach of the Year votes. I'm not saying he'll win because Thibodeau should run away with this, but he has done a good job because I was unsure about whether he could lead this organization. They have taken that step forward, and they have dealt with a bunch of injuries and COVID and all that stuff. So they get Bridges back, and, I mean, you that team is tough. That was the team that whooped the Celtics' ass on that Sunday afternoon. That was without LaMelo. Now they got mm-hmm. LaMelo. Like, to me, they have – because the Celtics haven't played against LaMelo this year. Right. Like – If they get out of the playing tournament, then there's Brooklyn sitting there waiting for Brooklyn, them. Yeah. Clean, I mean, clean who, them up. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, that – Seven eight game and then they 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 would play the winner of the Washington. They could play Charlotte or Washington. You want, you want to play Russ in a in Bradley Beal in a do or die game? I don't know if you want to do that. I don't know if oh, you want to go that far because you no. know Russ. Is, you know Russ is coming. He's gonna have twenty twenty and twenty. Yeah, it's just a matter of it can you know, Beal's gonna get thirty. You got to tired of people other guys. all him over all over him all year too. Yeah, I mean to me. Nothing is guaranteed. This team can't beat the Cavs. And, I was, and yeah, I mean, are they better served to lose? Like, to, like why? You know, why even tease? The I think. You, I think. It, I, I just think them going out like chumps is not good for the. No, I think they need to win. They need to win. Going out like chumps is just going to. Now, if someone wants to like blow everything up, like, and, and, and people like, yeah, I want them to lose because I want things to get work. Like, I want them to really make changes. Who knows? That might lead to something, but no, I think they 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 can't finish on their backs. They got to play hard. They got to figure things out. They got to get Robert Williams healthy. They got to come out with with some passion here. Okay, they put this all, themselves in the position. Who knows? It might end up working out for them where they play. The light turns on for them, but there is not a given, Evan, in terms of like this playing tournament. Charlotte is going to be hungry and ready. No one's afraid to play in Boston, so let's cut that out. Oh, this is not nineteen. This is not two thousand eight. Like no one's afraid to come up here and play. So it's nice that the game will be at home. Likely, if they don't fall to eight or nine, you know. But it's no given that they're going to get out of this tournament. That starts May eighteenth, which is Tuesday. Of course, runs through the twenty first. The playing tournament before the postseason. So we'll see. Uh, last thing from me. Well, I guess there there are a couple of things. Uh, real quick on this one, because you could go on forever on this. It's it's a polarizing topic, and that's Marcus Smart's you know role and place here. Are you inclined to agree with what Perk was saying that you know th- this is someone who needs to be moved? It's just there. It's. Evan was talking about it off air before we came on that, he, you know, he's, he's reaching a place mentally where he's starting to reason with himself. Okay. Maybe that's just something that, that either should happen or at least will happen. And I'm coming to terms with it. As we know, like the people who love Marcus smart, absolutely love Marcus smart. And, and the alternative is true as well. There's nobody is just, eh, is okay about Marcus smart. He's a very polarizing player when it comes to, you know, what he does on the court and the intangibles and all of that stuff is, you know, it, it just seems to me there's there's no other move that you can really make. Like Tatum's not going anywhere, Brown's not going anywhere, and I don't think they should. By the way, at that point, like Smart is your most tradable asset. Yeah, he is. is 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 he to you someone that 
should be moved as as part of this. I think know, they have to look into. Yeah, they have to look into any possibilities at this point. I like Marcus. I think he's at a, like I think when he comes, if he ever goes to another team and comes back, he should get a standing O. I just don't know if his usefulness is peaking anymore. Like, is he doing good things for the team? Like the other night against Miami, like he he gets frustrated, then he gets in that collision with Duncan Robinson and puts Duncan on the line. Like it's just Marcus, you're not getting that call. Or the 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 alter the thing with Yurk in Portland. Like, you know, or Marcus what what game was that where he was uh oh the Charlotte game when they were making a real run and then he went and tried to get that three point foul at the end of the quarter, and then Miles Bridges hits a thirty five footer to end the quarter and they were pretty much done. Like there's just been or the play in Memphis where he thought he was he backed into uh Grayson Allen and and fired a three in overtime, missed, thought he was gonna get like those have to stop. And I think that everyone thought this offseason, after Marcus kind of went ham in the bubble with shooting, taking 13 threes in a game, like, okay, they're gonna pull Marcus aside, calm him down, tell him. And I think there's been moments where he has just not been that shooter, but then there's the mental plays where you can tell he's cracking the the collisions and the and the flagrant fouls and things like that. And I don't know if that's any more of a good use to the team anymore. Like someone pointed out, like, because I don't Marcus is not that enforcer either. Like someone I forgot who's like when's the last time you saw like a Celtic get into it with another player like like I got real shit for this in Milwaukee when Middleton fouled Tatum really hard. The first game in Milwaukee where they lost. And Jalen kind of came to pick him up and said kind of something to Middleton, but they ended up laughing or were smiling afterwards. Like, where's that dude to be like, listen, you can't no more of that BS. Don't do that. Like, who is the enforced? Who's the, who's the beef on this team? And I don't know if that's Marcus. Because there has to be somebody with some fight. Like, I don't know if it could be Jalen, but like, and I wrote, no one really, oh, Jalen came to pick him up and you're wrong and you're just making stuff up. It was like, no, someone needed to say to Middleton, like, hey, dude, don't do that. No, no. We're not, we're not laughing. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, they were, they were, so I don't know if you guys remember that play, but it was, it was the first game at Milwaukee. They lost when they made that huge comeback. And remember Tyson's final shot as a Celtic, the three pointer that he mm-hmm. missed. And Milton fouled the hell out of Tatum. But, you know, and it's like, I don't know if Marcus is going to fill that role. That's fine. But there just can't be any of these dumb plays, these flagrant fouls, that collision with, with Duncan Robinson. Marcus, you know how the refs feel about you. You're not getting that call. Duncan got two free throws. It was like, that's the last thing Miami needs. A great free throw shooter at the line shooting free throws. Like, that's a, not a smart play. Smart, not smart basketball plays. No pun intended. But I think they have to be open to figuring out, is this good for our team long term? Yeah, he's indispensable at times. He's the heart and soul. I get all that stuff. But there's nothing. Like, I don't know how much he's helped his stock this year. Then he's an impending free agent. Are you going to bring him back uh, for, you know, three, four more years next season? 
You gonna sign an extension? It's a good question. Like, and how does that affect your cap? Um, what are you gonna do with Kimba? Like all these things because Jalen and Jason are there. They're you know, yeah. And then then what are you gonna do with Fortier? Like, are you gonna have to trade Marcus to or like to to make room for like there's just so much that has to be done. I'm not against moving him for the right deal for a capable, solid player in return. But I don't know this year, after watching him all year, whether what he's doing is useful for the team anymore like it was, because he did not have a good defensive year. Yeah, anything left for you, Ev? Well, just, yeah, it feels like, you know, they have a decision to make. That three guys, they got to figure out what the hell they're going to do with. And Kemba, given his contract and injury history here, is going to be extremely difficult to move. And we've had, you know, guys in the show, Sean Devaney's like, they they tried. They've tried to move Kemba. Nobody was biting at that number. No way, especially with that health problem. You traded for Evan Fournier, who has been, you know, with the exception of last night, you know, and when he's healthy and not, you know, ridden with COVID, it's been a really nice fit. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed the floor space and the ball movement. Um, he doesn't try and do too much most of the time. But he's a guy that's, you know, a solid player they definitely need on the wing, no question. And so it comes down to Kemba, Smart, and Fournier. What do you do with those guys? Again, if they somehow find a way to move Kemba Walker, that frees up a whole bunch of space. But I don't think that deal is out there anyway. So it comes down to Smart and Fournier. So you traded two second-round picks, but the whole TPE thing, get that whole problem and, and that talking point went away when they acquired Fournier. So you're going to let Hayward walk for a half a season of Fournier and then do nothing with it. That's bad. That's a bad look, right? We all were like, oh, the Fournier thing's great as long as they bring him back. Well, does that cost Marcus Smart? Because, again, some point you've got to make a decision. And you've planted your flag with two guys in Jalen and Jason, which I think is correct. You have two guys like that, you invest. You're going to have to lose somebody at some point. And I, it seems like, given the conversation – uh, Gary, that you're you're probably leaning towards again, provided the right deal. Marcus might be the odd man out here. Is forty eight? Yeah, he's got the most. Him and now Tristan have the most tradable contracts, right? Like Kimba, you got to bring salary back unless you're going to trade him to a team with cap space, and they can just take them all in. Like it, it, you're basically Kimba's at the point in his career where you're going to have to take someone else's bad contract back. And, you know, a, a star player, a standout player, and I think Kimball will definitely be more tradable next summer if he opts in because he's got the opt-out clause, just like Al Horford had and Gordon Hayward had. Uh, he's got in that fourth year. But I think with Kimba, you got to figure out how healthy it, uh, let me make another point that the the Kimba playing not playing back to backs I think really hurt the the chemistry of this team too. Mm-hmm. You can't ever get used to him being around and he's got the little nagging injuries. It's not his fault, but is that gonna be permanent like next year is he gonna be playing in back to backs or is this something we're gonna have to deal look see and view for the next you know till he's finished because his knee is chronically deteriorating like we don't know. But I think that, like, they could have used Kimba last night. But, nope, Kimba's not playing. Kimba's not playing Sunday in New York. You know, could they, you know, would they really need that game? Well, they got to play it without Kimba because it's the second of a back-to-back. Like, it's just so much 
that costs you when you have to do that management thing constantly. I think it messes with your chemistry. Then you don't have a capable backup point guard. And then Marcus goes out, so now you don't have any, basically, very few point guards in the Cleveland game Wednesday. So I think the Kimba situation, I think they would love to move him, but who's going to take him? Because let's look at, like, John Wall was wanted out, and it just happened. That was a perfect storm. They made about the same money, him and Russ. They both wanted out. Um and there's a swap. John Wall has done nothing this year for Houston. He's just a salary. Chris Paul, like Oklahoma City was looking to dump him. Phoenix wanted that, needed that point guard. Like, these are perfect storms. But is Kimba a guy who is like, ex, you know, Sacramento needs Sacramento need him. But you know what I'm saying? Like, a team who's looking to rise needs Kimba. I don't, that's not the case anymore. Like what team would would want is a point guard away from really being a playoff contender? Sack ain't sack out the Aaron Fox. He's they're set there. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at some of the teams who are you know New Orleans has uh, Kyra Lewis who's going to be pretty good and Lonzo Ball. Like what team is going to you know? And then if you do that, you're going to have to take back. If, let's say New Orleans or whatever, you're going to have to take back someone who's making 16 and someone who's making 12 who might help you or might not. You have to take back somebody's bad deals. Like, you know, or you could throw in the trade exception. I don't know how that would all work. Because I think they have 11 million left for the trade Mm -hmm. exception or 10. So, I mean, that could be used uh, to acquire someone else in a deal. It's just a lot of moving parts that have to be addressed. But, the Kimba thing, I think he was the key to this team this season. His inconsistency and the injuries, I think, very much hurt this team. As you can see, what he's capable of, because he's not defending, so he's got to score. Like, I think, like people, like we mentioned earlier, people were like, well, Gary, who's a, whose fault is it? You're not mentioning whose fault it is in this thing. It's like everybody's fault. Hmm. Sunday... Kimba did not show up ready to play. The blowout when they were down 79-53 at halftime, Kimba had three points in the first half with three turnovers. He was not ready to play. He said he warmed up a little in the second half. He played well Tuesday. So he was partially to blame on Sunday. It was different guys on Sunday, different guys on Tuesday. Like when Kimba isn't a shot maker, then what is he? Not a good, not a great defender. Not a guy who's gonna get you a lot of steals or assists. Hey, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not shooting well, but I'm gonna get you ten assists. Like that's Russ, right? But with Kimba, he's got to make shots. And this year, he's he's not making the shots. He's not getting you off where he's scoring eight of your first ten points. So they've got to figure out what to do health wise. How is he? Is he ready to contribute to a full 82 game season next year? What does he need to do to rehab and get himself ready this summer and figure out what to do at Smart? Well, that right there is your uh, postmortem preview. <laughs> As we will obviously wind things down here with this season. You got two games left in the regular season, those are both this weekend. And uh, at least if you want to go out and enjoy potential nice weather, you don't have to watch because they're in the afternoon at Minnesota Saturday, at New York on Sunday. You going to be at those games, Gary? I will be at the Hall of Fame 
I'm headed there tomorrow to see KG and obviously uh, the great Kobe Bryant being inducted on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I'm be, I will be at the next game, but I'll be in Mohegan Sun over the next couple of days at the Hall of Fame. Well, you will have way more fun doing that. I'm jealous. That's going to be a great time. Look forward to hearing what uh, KG in particular has to say, obviously, in uh, in these next couple of days in media availability and everything else. But playing tournament looms, folks. Our thanks to Gary to everyone, uh, right here, obviously, and and I'm Adam. You know, I think we, we know that by now. Uh, again, this show powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% sign-up bonus. Gary, the uh, the pain is almost over, and then uh, you get to the postseason, and and you can cover teams, you know, across the league for the next couple of months that that you may have more fun watching. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. It should be a fun playoffs. I mean, regardless of uh, the tough season, uh, I'm looking forward to the postseason. It should be exciting. All right, again, Gary Washburn, Evan Valenti, I'm Adam Kaufman. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff here for Celtics Beat, and uh, we'll catch you next time. 